Welcome to Reflect the Life You Want, where we talk about not only how to survive, but to thrive. I'm your host, Tim Howard, man school strategist, former Army officer, successful Homes for Heroes real estate agent. This show will focus on living a life of greatness, of wholeness and completeness. This show will be talking about our dreams, our goals, and how to go about creating them. So join me to learn how to reflect and design the life you want to live. Well, I'm especially delighted to welcome as guests to our program today, my first husband and wife team of Bill and Angela Schneider. So welcome to the Reflect the Life You Want podcast. Thank you, Tim. Great to be here. Pleasure to be with you always. Thank you, Tim. We're so honored to be here. Absolutely. And you guys are coming to us from, I think it's Flathead, Montana, near Kalispell. That's exactly right. Coming to you from Flathead Lake, on uh, which is in northwestern Montana, very near the mouth of Glacier National Park. So it's pretty spectacular. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful setting. So uh, I may touch on a little bit later, Bill, uh, your interest in permaculture and some of the stuff that you've created on the land that you've developed there. But awesome. what I like to do, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about how you and I got connected, and then I'm going to ask each of you to kind of give a little bit of your background personally and maybe professionally and how you got to what you're doing now in life. So, um, Bill, you and I are uh, both involved with the man school. You're uh, the lead instructor and kind of my master coach and one of my mentors. And I've had the privilege of going through that entire great man's legacy of the man school master course with you. And you did a fabulous job with that. Thank you. uh, just enjoyed getting to know you and learn about your history and just the wisdom you've been able to share with us. And then Angela, you're a strategist and mindset coach with the women's school and friends with, you're both friends with my co-author Maria Spears and the mirror book project. She's also a strategist and mindset coach with the women's school. So it's an honor yes. to have both of you here yes. today. And you guys got a lot of uh, life experience and wisdom. I know our, our audience is going to benefit from Oh, we're so excited. Yeah, it's such an honor to be with you. And shout out to Maria. Yeah, she's she's a wonderful woman. You couldn't pick a better person to write a book with, that's for sure. No, she is truly remarkable. And I was blessed to be with Maria in person last month, which was still riding the high from that experience. So shout out <laughs> awesome. to Maria Spears. Yeah, well, she's down on, uh, I think, Gulf Shores, Alabama right now. Is she? Yeah, okay, we'll be with her. her family. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, if you will, if you could each give us a little background around your kind of your personal story and maybe a little bit about your professional and how did you get to be where you are now and what you're doing and your life's passion, the kind of work you guys are doing now. Oh, Tim, thank you. Ladies first. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, uh, very succinctly, Tim, I was blessed to grow up in a wonderful home in the Midwest. I grew up several hours south of Chicago, so kind of the heart of the corn and soybean fields, but just had a very rich upbringing and was blessed to have a phenomenal, especially a phenomenal high school experience. I had incredible friends. I was a three-sport varsity athlete. We had a really incredible music department. It was just a public, public school, but I was really fortunate to be surrounded by some remarkable people, and that was a very formative experience for me. And even just being a part of um, a state championship track team and some other very successful programs really showed me the power of when you've got a group of people who are like-minded pursuing, uh, pursuing a great call and a great vision, the magic that can happen. And that continued when I went off to college. I was really fortunate to be a part of a Division Three national basketball team, which again, um, 
just in the right place at the right time. And um, then throughout my, my college experience, got very involved with my faith and which led me to a really fantastic leadership um, outreach organization. So I then, uh, upon graduating from college, was uh, blessed to be part of that organization for over uh, 11 years full time. And uh, I'm very mission oriented. I love serving people. I love accompanying people. And in the midst of that, though, being a part of this international organization, I started traveling extensively. I was given some uh, tremendous leadership opportunities, and I had incredible formation. I had an incredible tribe of people I was running with. But over time, I began to get very depleted. Um, I wasn't sharpening my saw at the same degree that I was being asked to grow. And I didn't have the intimate accompaniment that I needed. And so literally, that led to a health crisis. Um, literally got to the point where I was so depleted mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. And uh, the gift in all of this, because every crisis is also a tremendous opportunity for change and for growth. Mm -hmm. And I was uh, very blessed at this time. I was living in the, the great January and Ryan Donovan at an embassy party on uh, right before Christmas in uh, December of 2010. And that was a pivotal moment in my life. There was just something about them. And so that just sparked what has now um, been over a decade of friendship. And January became not only one of my best friends, but a mentor to me. And at a place when I was, I was depleted and really stuck, you know, I was part of an, I had a lot of professional success and personal success, um, but had stopped personally dreaming. And so January just sat me down and said, Ange, we've got to get you dreaming again. You know, even though it, on the X, on the outside, I, I seem to have a lot of, you know, had a lot going for me interiorly, I felt <laughs> profoundly stuck. And so she literally said, Ange, I want you to go to your local Walgreens or CVS, get some three by five cards, and I want you to start dreaming again. And that led me on a profound journey of um, just interior restoration, of awakening so many desires of my heart. Um, one of the most important, of course, was would have loved to have been married and, uh, and have children. I was in my mid-30s at this point in time, and that dream seemed to be very elusive. And yet January and Ryan encouraged me to lean into that dream like never before. And um, it was really in and through their, their mentorship, their belief in me and in the midst of my family and some other wonderful mentors and friends that my life just began to change dramatically. And it was about this time that I uh, was introduced uh, to Bill. I was doing consulting at the time and a business partner met Bill at an incredible conference in Napa. And um, that was almost four years ago, exactly. And I cannot believe how much my life has changed in just such a short amount of time. So we're now blessed yep. to be living here in paradise with our beautiful 18-month-old daughter, Catherine Elizabeth, and working side-by-side, -side, accompanying people. And it's just, uh, it's, it's hard to believe how much can change in such a short amount of time. Yes, indeed. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing. And I, there's a much richer background to some of that story too. Yes. I, I've heard before, uh, Maria actually interviewed you. Uh, she's been probably about a year ago. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you. How you guys came together. <clears throat> a couple. It's just a beautiful story. Yeah. So Bill, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got involved in what you're doing now. Yeah, it's fascinating. Well, first of all, you left out a lot of stuff, but I guess in the limited time we have here, um, got to leave some for more. Yeah, in fact, being on that 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 national championship basketball team in college, one of our first dates when she she came over to, we were both in Pasadena actually mm -hmm. on business, so we met for dinner at my parents' house, and I took her out to my backyard court, and I'm like, 
she just grabs the ball. Like, I think I was like, got delayed for five minutes. So she had a chance to warm up. She's out there just like, boom, boom, just ripping twine. I mean, I need a new net after that. And I'm like, I'm dating Steph Curry here. This is crazy. You know, this woman's going to outshoot me on my own home court. So anyway, um, but um, yeah, so my background is um, in some ways similar to Angela's in terms of some of the journey. Uh, I really started, I had a wonderful childhood, grew up in Pasadena, California, um, which at that time, our neighborhood was like so many wonderful people, lots of families and kids. And my whole childhood would be like, you know, just riding bikes around the neighborhood mm-hmm. and, you know, I don't know, building forts and climbing trees and just doing the stuff that little boys do. And it was a very safe place. And so Anyway, I ended up, uh, went, uh, when I got out of college, I'm going to fast forward through. Mm-hmm. When I got out of college, my first job was working for a big telecommunications company in downtown Los Angeles. And of course, I'm right out of college, right? I mean, raw beer on my breath still probably and, and no experience. And this one sales manager was a wonderful guy. took a liking to me and he hired me. And, and I started to really work hard. Well, about six months into this, we had, at the time, I thought it was a devastating thing. We moved our office from downtown Los Angeles to West L.A like almost Santa Monica. And I realized my daily commute was going to go from 25 minutes to about an hour and a half each way in LA mm-hmm. traffic in the car. And, um, I, you know, it, it, where we moved our office was a very expensive part of town. I had no money. I was right out of college. So I was living in my parents' house trying to save money. And I realized that I'm faced with three hours in the car every day. And I thought it was a disaster. It ended up being the biggest blessing in disguise in my life. One of them, because what happened was after that first day, I realized, I got to do something productive with this time. I just can't spend three hours a day staring at the bumper of the car in front of me. I got to do something productive. So I went to my local bookstore and I started getting books on tape. And I'd always been a pretty voracious reader and particularly things I was interested in. Um, not always in the school textbooks that I was given, although I did okay. But, you know, I, I started, because I was in sales, I started buying every book or, or book on tape that I could get on sales, marketing, mm-hmm. investing, real estate, philosophy, theology, um, the biographies of great men and women that had lived. You know, I figured somebody's a world-class expert in their field. They might have a life, like 50 years of, of work experience, and then they write a book and then put it on audio tape. And I can listen, I can get 50 years of experience in about eight hours, you know, which was like Wednesday afternoon for me with my commute time. So my three hours a day in the car became my university on wheels. And I started to accumulate like compound interest, profound knowledge well beyond my years from simply because I took advantage of experts that had gone before me. And so that became a profound thing. And as I applied what I learned, I started to do very well in my job and I ended up matriculating from telecommunications. I got hired by a software company in Silicon Valley. Um, And then I ended up working at Cisco Systems, uh, one of the biggest networking companies in the world, and then went to several startups. But somewhere in that process, I realized that in my zeal to kind of make it and achieve and be the best that I can be and apply this stuff, I somehow lost some of the human part. And I think, you know, sales can be a very stressful job depending on the scenario in any way. And I didn't really mind that because I was pretty competitive. I played football in college. I've always played sports my whole life. But after a while, I realized kind of like Angela's experience, I was getting depleted Mm -hmm. because it was just like, go, 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 go all the time. And there was never a break, just a pause and take a breath. And I was just doing all this stuff all the time. And it's like, we're human beings. We're not just human Mm -hmm. doings. And right. while, you know, work and our career are, are important aspects of our life, they have to be kept in a proper balance and proportion. Mm-hmm. And I just felt my life was constant stress. I felt like the hamster on the treadmill. And um, I remember a seminal moment one day, and I talk about this in one of the intro videos I did for the Man School course, that 
I was literally stuck in traffic. I was living actually in North Beach in San Francisco uh, with a good buddy of mine. For, and um, I was just stuck in traffic. And the traffic was worse than normal because one of the lanes to cross the Bay Bridge was shut down because of a stalled car or something. And I'm sitting in this ocean full of cars and I'm just so frustrated. I just lost a deal that I worked like a year on. And I, I just had reached that point of just complete exhaustion. And I was just, I just got tired of what I was doing, the way I was living. I thought, you know, I mean, I, on the one hand, I was very grateful because I worked with some phenomenal people and I had a great experience learning just how to be, you know, just professional skills. Uh, and the companies I worked for were phenomenal at that. But I also realized there was a deep part of me that wasn't fulfilled inside. And I started looking for alternatives. And I specifically remember this one afternoon and there was a song that came on the radio it was from that 80s band, The Police, you know, and uh, I'd heard the song a million times, but I never really listened to the words. And somehow that day, you know, on a, on a very hot, muggy San Francisco afternoon, sitting in traffic, I heard the lyrics, the song, uh, I think it was Synchronicity too. And, and there's a, a stanza that says, another working day has ended, only the rush hour held a face, packed like lemmings into shiny metal boxes, contestants in a suicidal mm -hmm. race. And here I am, the workday just ended. I'm sitting like a bunch of other lemmings in my shiny metal box, my car, and just basically going nowhere, literally and figuratively, um, and just not fulfilling that deep, you know, what I felt the mission, the, the, the purpose my creator put, put on my heart. And that was really a seminal moment where I made a conscious decision that I was going to radically change my life and really live the life of my dreams and actually not just try to achieve to one day be happy, but happily achieve mm -hmm. along the way. And so that I started to make changes and it took about eight years before I finally kind of got to where I wanted to be. But the process began that day. And um, mm -hmm. shortly thereafter, I ended up buying the place in Montana where we live right now. Um, I, I love big cities, but I, I, I love the country and the hunting and the fishing and all that stuff in the open spaces. I love that a lot more. And um, so I thought, you know, everything started to fall into place. And I took a lot of the knowledge I gained earlier in my career, but I started to apply it towards what I really want to do. And for me, serving people and working with people individually and coaching people was all, even the most satisfying part of my corporate job as a sales manager and later a director of sales. I got more excitement, more joy, more juice out of helping somebody achieve their life dream, unrelated necessarily to making their quota or, um, you know, or, or any of their professional goals, their work goals that I was tasked to present to them for my bosses. So bottom line is that's where it kind of all began. It was shortly thereafter, things set in motion that one day. And then it was shortly thereafter that um, I got this place in Montana. And then a few years later, I ended up meeting Angela and just a lot of things fell into place, but it all began that day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a fast, it's, and I know you've talked about this uh, a number of times, Bill, uh, within the man school is like, you know, within the seed of every adversity is this greater, equivalent or greater benefit. benefit. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And I think that was Napoleon Hill, I think. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, so here, here you're, you're confronted with this challenge, uh, the job situation, you, you capitalized on that. And then, but then this late several years later is really where the, the awakening, so to speak, took place. And uh, Angela, you had a similar kind of profound seminal moment there with meeting uh, January and uh, Ryan Donovan. And Ryan has actually been a guest of the show a few weeks ago. Um, so for our listeners who've tuned in with that and Ryan and Angela and Bill are all uh, friends in January also. So ahead of the show, we were talking about this idea, you know, within the construct of the mirror book, Reflect is the acrostic, which is kind of the theme of the book. This is the Reflect the Life You Want podcast, which is the theme of the mirror book. 
And the R chapter is recognize the power to change. But you guys really described it more in terms of this internal awakening. Mm -hmm. So I thought we'd just go with that. And, you know, maybe Angela, just step into that for us and, and talk a little bit about what does that mean to you? What's that been for you personally? And then as you're, as you're helping women now in the woman's school or for you and Bill as a couple, you know, how does that come into play and how profound is that? And how, how might we think about that or learn from that? Absolutely. And, and Tim, we're just so grateful to you and Maria for, for the book that you're writing. We're, we're having a lot of fun processing it and look forward to, to sharing more of our thoughts with you. But I, I think you open in such a powerful way that with that R, recognize you have the power to change. And if you don't have the power to change your circumstances, you have the power to change yourself. And that's straight from Viktor Frankl, who was a prisoner in Auschwitz. And I've, both Bill and I have been to Auschwitz. And you know this is literally the pit of hell. And yet he, he said the last of our human freedoms is the freedom to choose our response. And so I think for, for me, Tim, you know, as I was on this trajectory, which again, I was, I was actually in, in ministry, you know, working with people, I was on one hand living a dream. And yet what kept coming back as I kept bumping into this just feeling of such depletion is, is this the way we were intended to live in the beginning? Something just feels off. Mm -hmm. And I'd, I'd made some changes and yet still kept coming back to that place of depletion. And so again, the, the gift here is that on one hand, we have, we have two choices, either one, we can begin to make that change internally, or mm -hmm. our external circumstances are going to force us to change. And so for me, it was really the combination of the two. Unfortunately for me, my circumstances started to challenge me to change, but the blessing again, the equal or greater benefit that came from that adversity was it, it made me pause. And I think that's the key for all of us, Tim, is so often, even I see little children now who are going through these 10 hour days, they get up at six and they're going off to school and they do their sports, and they do their activities and they're going home. We're never taking that time to pause and reflect. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Bill and I say, even just asking that question, what makes your heart sing? And, and how were we intended to live in the beginning? How can we live not just by default, not just in reaction to our external circumstances, but with intention? And that was really what struck me when I was at that embassy party on Embassy Row in uh, December of 2010 was I met the Donovans and they were living life with such intentionality. And I was blessed. I worked with, I mean, I'm here. I was, you know, doing deals with people on, on Wall Street, you know, and in, in the development world and working with incredibly, you know, successful people and, and beautiful families. And yet there was still something about the Donovans and the level of intentionality, the choices they were making, they were working backwards from a dream and a vision. Yeah. Not yeah. just kind of hoping it would happen, but literally designing it backwards. And so in a sense, Tim, it took me it just in the same way with Bill, because the momentum was working so hard for me in one direction, you know, almost three decades at that point, it's like shifting gears in a car. It took a little while to shift those. To, I literally had to downshift mm -hmm. and kind of get off the flywheel to, and then pause and say, okay, like I had to create space. Yeah. And, and literally when I met Bill, I was doing cons cons some consulting work and I had the opportunity. I just stopped taking on some new clients for a little while. Mm -hmm. And on one hand, it felt like my life was coming to a grounding halt, but I heard the Lord say, don't put a period where God's putting a comma. <laughs> and by creating that space, by literally creating, you know, we, we have to create the space for the things that we desire. 
And by creating that space, by slowing down a little bit, all of a sudden, all these things started happening. I was, I was collaborating with the Donovans more intimately on what is now the woman's school. And then through Bill, what's now the man's school and Ryan Donovan, of course. And then Bill came into my life, but it was after, it was after a period of, of struggle and of slowing down and asking that question of how are we intended to live? What is the environment that's most conducive to our flourishing, to our creativity, to contemplation, to intimate relationships, you know, to all the things that you're, you're speaking of and reflect, you know, what am I made for? What is my unique call and my unique contribution? Um, and so I think it's, it's that recognizing that just because our life is moving in one direction and it always has been that way, it doesn't have to stay that way. Yeah. Right. I think that's a powerful story. I love the quote you shared there. You know, don't put a period where God is putting a comma. <laughs> we'll have to use that in here as a, you know, and it's interesting. I was, go ahead, Bill. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I, you know, what seems to be a common thing, and we talk about this in the man school and the, the sections on neuroscience, is that when you're in that place of stress and you're just go, 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 you're literally unable, it blocks your, um, your, frontal, your lobe. frontal lobe. And it's like, you can't even think creatively when you're in that place of stress. So sometimes just taking a step back and taking a pause allows you to kind of reflect. And I know my best ideas that I've had in my life, the most game-changing ideas I've come up with or plans really came from a place of silence and solitude, mm -hmm. you know, where I literally got off by myself, you know, forgot about spreadsheets and forecasts and all that kind of stuff. And literally just got to that place of uh, where I could allow myself to think creatively again. Mm -hmm. And that's where the biggest changes have come. And so I think that's very important. And, and you know, um, personal trainers will tell you, you know, when you exercise, uh, I've got a friend whose daughter's running the Olympics right now, the 400 meters. And he was telling me like, you know, as important as those days are where you're, you're running like eight, four forties, you're building up the endurance. Then you need like two, three days of rest. Mm -hmm. And the rest is just as important as the, the rest and recovery is just as important as the stress, mm -hmm. you know? And, and I'm our trainer and, and for football, you said we're lifting weights, you know, you don't exercise the same body part two days in a row. And yet mentally it's like just grinding. It's like having your foot on the accelerator and the brake mm -hmm. at the same time. You're just like, eh, and the smoke's coming off the tire. And that's how a lot of us live our life. And we need to learn, I think more the rhythm of life mm -hmm. and learning how to balance periods of stress and work with periods of rest and recovery. Yeah. Literally we have a phrase and this comes straight from, uh, from Dr. Heidi Baker. There's time to run, there's time to rest and there's time to release. Yeah. And we need to build those in intentionally into the rhythm of our life. Yeah. Absolutely. The introduction to the, the podcast, I always talk about this idea that we're not, we're not here just to strive, but we're here to thrive. Yes. And I think, uh, as you said, that natural rhythm is part of that thriving because we need that rest. And, and as you were talking about the stress in the prefrontal uh, yeah. cortex, and you know, I think about amygdala hijacking. And, you know, just in the process of trying to write the book project is um, has been challenging for both Maria and I, and because when you're under that stress, your creative process is challenged hard to get into that space so you need to take time and step back a little bit sometimes but i think uh you guys are absolutely right and i think you you guys have nailed it very very well what kind of the intention of that chapter is uh you know from my life experience it was you know some of those ideas came about from the standpoint of yeah i've been in the midst of a lot of stressful stuff in the professional environment but i was also going through a lot of personal stress mm. And it was like, okay, what am I going to learn from this process? What am I going to take out of this? Because this is tough. So 
I, so I started writing this book project and started putting these ideas down. So like, okay, this is for me, but it's also how can I help someone else down the road in the future? Right. So from that awakening you guys have had, um, I'm imagining now that there's just been a tremendous amount of learning that's been going on. And then you guys have really been investing not only in yourselves, but you've been investing in helping other people in a direct way, you know, beyond just ministry, but more directly in coaching and things like that. So I'm, I'm curious, what's it been like to now kind of be living out your passion, your life's work, so to speak, and, you know, what kind of change that's made for you in your life and what are you learning that you think is a blessing to you guys and your family? Yeah. Well, Tim, um, you know, I, I again, I, there's a time to sow and there's a time to reap. Yeah. You can't do both at the same time. And I really think, you know, both Bill and I had about an eight year period there where we were sewing, we were, we were learning, we were, we were, we were literally making dramatic changes in our life. You know, Bill was able to find out to identify some of he, his key mentors and role models and go literally work alongside them. I literally moved across the, across the country to work with January. I had, co I had a high performance coach in, in, in uh, Manchester, England. Like I was going to conferences, you know, who can I learn from? You know, I had, I had coaches in a lot of different areas in my life so that mm -hmm. I could implement these changes. And I think that's a key, a key point is that anytime we're trying to grow just in the same way that our little Catherine Elizabeth is going through a massive developmental stage right now, she's learning to walk and talk and exploring everything. You know, there's a couple of things that we need, several things. We need new skills. We need new systems. We need new support mm -hmm. and you need grit new skills, new systems, new support and grit. And so Bill and I both really experienced that uh, in that period of time. And I feel like, you know, we're, we're coming up on our third anniversary of marriage on August the 4th, which is just, it's been the best in four years of my life and <laughs> knowing since our courtship and, and our marriage together. So Tim, Bill and I really, we're, we're living our dream. We're getting to work from home on our family land together. And, and both of us, our passion and our, our dream, really moving from our career to our calling is accompanying people. And I really think that, you know, Bill and I both got married. We found each other later in life. And, you, you know, we look back for all of our, our single friends who would still like to find their spouse, just say that this time is so full. There's a, there's a fullness in the waiting and all the life experiences that, that Bill and I got to have during those single years um, are now coming to such fruition. And mm -hmm. so this ability to accompany people one-on-one -on -one is both of us, our heart's passion. And I think that, you know, we can only connect the dots looking backwards. And so mm -hmm. every day as we're able to walk with people in a small group environment through the man's school and the woman's school, through that one-on-one -on -one accompaniment and coaching, you know, we are seeing, not only are we continuing to learn, you know, every single day and grow and expand, but being able to accompany people and just, again, just having that empathy from our life yeah. experiences yeah, enables us not to just say, Hey, I know, but wow, we've been there and mm -hmm. there's so much hope. And so it's, it's so invigorating every single day to be able to watch people recognize that they have that ability to change and then to be able to support them and walk with them intimately in that transformation. And again, hope is associated with our memory. I want to go there. Right? Mm -hmm. I want to go there with you right now. Okay, yeah. so the the underlying theme within that we recognize the power to change. When Maria and I were working on this, we discovered for ourselves is that was the key underlying element of that was this sense of hope 
So I wondered if you can't talk more about that from your own personal experiences, Angela, Bill, what that's been like for you and how to, how to stay focused on hope in, the spite, in spite of some of the challenges you faced in life. So I want to take a moment, Angela, you spoke to this idea of hope. And when Maria and I were writing the book, it came to our awareness that this recognize the power to change chapter, really a sub theme within it is this idea of hope. And it requires hope for us to think about the possibility to imagine that something could be different or could be better. So I just wondered if you guys could touch upon in your own lives, when you've been in those places of where you're stuck or frustrated or you know, where did you find that hope, whether it was in your faith or just, you know, this idea of something you had for the future that you were looking forward to that kept you going? Well, Tim, I think um, for me, obviously my faith was at the center of that for sure. And -hmm. just even from scripture, we know that God is faithful to his promises Mm -hmm. and his delays are not his denials. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, again, and Bill, Bill says this even better than I do, but you know, the longer we have to wait for a good, holy desire that's unfulfilled, the greater the answer will be. As a rule. As a rule. As a rule, not as an exception or not mm-hmm. once in a while. In my experience and the experience of others, as a rule, the longer you're anticipating, the longer you're praying for something, the greater the answer will be when it's finally answered. Mm-hmm. And again, obviously, as long as it's in accord with God's will and for his greater glory. Right, with that caveat. Um, with that caveat, of course. And sometimes, you know, he always, his answer is never no. It's always yes, not yet or I've got a better plan. And I think that's, he never says no, it's yes, not yet, or I've got a better plan. But I think I had, I had some moments where, gosh, if it had not been for my parents, for my family, for dear friends, um, like January and and others who believed in me, who, who saw the best and the potential, even when I could not see that in myself, it was that Mm -hmm. vision that kept me moving forward. And so Mm -hmm. I think, Tim, that's a very important theme for our listeners today is our environment because our environment shapes us and especially the people that we surround ourselves with. You know, we become like the five people we spend most of our time with. And so that's one of the most powerful things we can do is are we surrounding ourselves with people who are striving to grow, who are trying to become the best version of themselves, who are committed to growth and are committed to a worthy ideal. Well, let me touch on that because your husband, Bill, is one of those five people for me. So at the start <laughs> me of the year- Me well, too, And likewise, <laughs> you are for me. Uh, so I identified, I literally wrote out the five people that I was gonna be very intentional about investing a deeper relationship with in this year. One of them being uh, my co-author, Maria Spears, both you know, Ryan Donovan, uh, you know, husband of January Donovan, you've been talking about in the woman's school, the man's school, and then Bill as my lead instructor, master coach in, in the man's school. And then there's two other people locally. Um, one is a woman, Jenna Curry, uh, who's very strong businesswoman, has some local businesses here in the area, leads probably the leading, most influential networking organization in this area. And I'm involved with and then Rob Renz, who is the founder of Signal Fire Media that helps produce um, the Reflect the Life You Want podcast with me. So I took that to heart. I was learning that idea. I think I first heard that from, I might've heard it in the past, but I heard it from Maria in, in having conversations. And then Bill, I heard you say it. Mm-hmm. 
So I literally wrote it out. I've got a picture of it. I took in my notebook from my doing the man school coursework and I was listening to one of your things and I wrote it out. Who are those five people going to be? And I wrote down those five names and I decided, hmm, that's going to be important to me. And so it's, it's been with that intentionality then as I've poured more into those relationships, what I find is that I'm the one who's being blessed by that. Like the more I give in that, then the rich, the more rich that relationship comes. And it doesn't mean it's always easy, no. right? It's like sometimes you're, you're going to a deeper level of relationship and you, you're taking more risk because you trust and you've, you know, moved the boundary line a little bit. Then you get into have some more of those crucial conversations, maybe a little more challenging conversations because you're, right. you're committed to one another's success. Maybe you're now willing to confront one another and say, Hey, you know, Tim, you know, maybe you could be a little more like this, or when you do that, you know, uh, it's not landing the way I'd want it to. And here's an opportunity. So I think who we allow to speak into our lives and who we invest in each other's relationships is hugely powerful. Yeah. yeah with intentionality and the consistency of it. So, you know, maybe you can speak to that or something else more about this idea around hope, Bill. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, you know, for me, when I went through some of my dark times, um, kind of like Angela, I really went to my faith. And, and um, I had the good fortune of during that time, actually, that that first several years out of college where I was spending three hours a day, a minimum of five days a week, listening to good stuff. One of the books on tape I listened to was the good book, the Bible. And uh, even though I grew up in a, 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 a you know, a household of faith, I did realize how little I knew. And there was some profound wisdom in that. I just, I, I literally, and, and these are promises given by God himself, right? Like the top of the org chart and the whole universe, like the, the, the one making the promise is worthy. So I always kind of came back to that. And the times when I was depressed, I'm like, you know what though? But, you know, here's the promise. It's going to happen. God's not a liar. Mm-hmm. He's going to fulfill. It may not be maybe in his timing and not mine, but it's going to happen. And that faith always carried me through. And that gave me so much hope, mm-hmm. you know, and there's some profound verses in there. If two of you join your voices on earth to pray for anything, whatever, it'll be granted by my father in heaven as an example of one. And so we do that as a couple. I did that with a friend when I was in some of my dark times. And sure enough, it always worked out in the end. It, again, it may not have been in my exact timing. Sometimes it took a little longer. Sometimes it happened pretty quick. Sometimes it was longer in God's timing. But then as Anne said earlier, looking back and connecting the dots, I can see what was happening. I was being groomed mm-hmm. and prepared. It's almost like, you know, you were a special forces guy, Tim. And the special forces guys, you know, when I read about the training, it's like, they're always trying to break you down. You have these struggles and, and they're, they're trying to, the, the instructors are trying to break you, but really they're trying to make you. Because they want to give you that mental resilience where it's just nothing is going to stop me and I will never quit. I don't care what. And that and that's why our special forces guys have such a superior record, because, you know, as they say, the more you bleed in training, the less you bleed in combat. And the idea, uh, I know a lot, you know, the Rangers and Green Berets and SEALs and, and Delta Force. The whole idea is that training is harder than combat. And I think that metaphor, that analogy has been true in parts of my life where I had to go through some difficult stuff. And, and oftentimes, sometimes it was my own fault, but most of the time it was actually things that I had nothing to do with, that I just got stuck with the problem, you know? And, but getting through that, it taught me a certain level of humility, a certain level of trust, a certain level of, you know, after getting chewed out by, let's say a customer for something that I had nothing to do with. I'm like, look, sir, I empathize with you, but I'm here to help you. I'm going to try to fix you. It's almost like, have you ever seen somebody 
at the airport or something, like an angry passenger who's stressed out and they missed their flight. And they're screaming at like the ticket person who had nothing to do with the problem. And they're literally screaming at the one person that can actually help them. And, and so, but I think sometimes you have to go through those things that are even unfair to learn that humility, to learn that trust in the long-term plan. And again, looking back, you're able to connect those dots. And I can see how that formed me in so many ways to have an empathy for people, to have an empathy for people that are in difficult situations or circumstances, whether of their own making or not of their own making. And, and then also letting them know that, hey, I was there too. And I came out the other side. There's light at the end of the tunnel. And if you can't see it yet, keep going because you're going to see that light. And when you do, you're going to come out on the other end, better, stronger, more fulfilled, more wise, more virtuous than you ever were before. Yeah. So, and I think with the, the other incredible skill or virtue or gift that's given is also resiliency, Tim. It's, mm-hmm. it's that ability to bounce back. Yeah. And I know that things 10 years ago that might've knocked me off course for a month or two, I really began to work on that skill of resiliency, which is something we talk about a lot in the man's school and the woman's school. And, and really with January's coaching, um, who is the, the master instructor for the woman's school and the founder, um, I, I asked myself, could I take what bounced that threw me off for a month and, and bounce back in a week and from a week to a day and from a day to a couple of hours and a couple hours to a couple of minutes. And Bill is, you know, again, like, that's why I married him. You know, he's one of my, he's my, my number one out of the five. But he is nothing disturbs his peace. He is able to look at it. What I, I my initial reaction is, oh, this is terrible. And it's like, and it's going to work out great. It's going to be even better than we can anticipate. He is just so confident, which also enables him to stay present. And I really think that's it. It's it's staying present. It's living in hopeful expectation. And I really chose three words, you know, to be present, expect miracles, and prepare to be surprised. That became my mindset. Be present, expect miracles and prepare to be surprised. And what that did, Tim, is it put me in a posture, moved me from grasping and straining and trying to control outcome to a posture of just of of active receptivity and openness Mm. for God to work miracles. And when we're in a place of peace, and this is a theme coming out again, when, when we're stressed and grasping, we're closed. We're not able to receive the gifts that God's preparing for us. And so it's all about maintaining our interior peace and staying present. And that's so much of the work of the man's school and the woman's school is just walking into greater and greater levels of interior freedom. I love what you just said there. And I'm going to touch on three other words I've heard you say, because I've heard uh, my co-author Maria Spears say it also. And it is along this lines of being present. And she describes, and it's really impacted me in a very significant way in my life in the last year and a half, is this idea that each interaction we have is a gift. But just like this opportunity we have here right now in, you know, in the midst of uh, this technology we're working through via Zoom, is it, it's a gift. It's an opportunity to connect and share ideas and impact one's life. And this idea that within each one of those interactions is the idea to inspire someone to encourage yes. someone and to elevate. And I've heard you use that language. I've heard her use it. And it's really affected my mindset around how I look at each and every interaction I have with people in a much more profound way than I ever would have thought of. Mm-hmm. So thank you for sharing that. But because the power of presence for me, that's your greatest gift. Yeah. You show up your full, whole self and just be you know, love, loving well for the good of the other and just pouring yourself into that other person, whether it be in a marital relationship or for your daughter or for a friend or in your coaching relationship with your client, 
that moment is gift. And that's all there is. It's the present. Right? That's all we have is this moment right now. That's it. And, and that's, that's really living the golden rule. You know, like what you just said is so beautiful when you're pouring yourself out uh, as a gift for others. Uh, you're modeling the creator in a sense, in, in a certain way. And I think that um, we're all called to love and serve one another. Even I think you can see that not only from a theological standpoint, but even, you know, great scientists like um, Einstein. Einstein was once asked, Askerly, what's the purpose of life? And he paused for a moment. He said, well, it must be to serve one another, mm-hmm. you know, at service and love. And so we talk so much about contribution and that's really, mm-hmm. that's really what we're all called to do. Yeah. And so yeah. you, you succinctly summarize that so well. I love that. Absolutely, Tim. But I think, think so much of that too, people can almost get the false understanding that we have to, to serve to the point of have nothing left. But again, yeah. that's not sustainable. And so that's right. why we, we talk so much about this, this vision for integrated wholeness and integrated wholeness in each of those categories of the arena of our life so that we can give from that reservoir that overflow and, and have that sustained contribution and generosity. Right. So in a sense, we have to allow ourselves to be loved. Yes. Because we can only love others as we love ourselves. So there you go. You're right into the L chapter, the reflective process, right? You got to love yourself in order to love others. So it's true. That, that hugely powerful. So I'm going to go there. I'm going to go back to the book and I'm going to ask you guys each to, if you think about, what are you working on for yourselves right now, individually or as a couple, to reflect more of the life that you want to live? What would that be right now? Mm. That's a I, long answer. It's actually. a long answer. This is a lot. <laughs> I would say dream expansion, Tim, because for so long, when I look at five years ago when I was sitting around the Donovan's dining room table dreaming. Yeah. The life that I'm, I literally had this, I literally wrote out, I penned a paper, I wrote it out. What would it be like to be married to my best friend, mm-hmm. surrounded by children in an environment that had the mountains and lakes, um, working with my husband? Like, this was the impossible dream. It literally yeah. impossible. And all of a sudden, like, we're living, we're living the, what was the impossible dream. So now it's time for our Lord to continue expanding the dream. So yeah. I'd say we're, as we're recognizing uh, and we're discovering who it is that Bill and Angela are and this, this our life together, our marriage and, mm-hmm. and our call within our marriage. Um, I think we're really in a beautiful season of dream expansion, um, mm-hmm. which is incredible. So yeah, and that, and that just kind of goes to chapter one, too, mm-hmm. you know, of your book, because it's all about knowing that there's other possibilities out there. And I think dreaming is the first step towards that. And it's mm-hmm. funny because we uh, we both had this dream. And then it coalesced together so beautifully mm-hmm. in such a symbiotic way too, Tim. I got to tell you, even when Angela and I, after we were first married and we're like moving some of her stuff out and she's got boxes and things, because a lot of your stuff was like in St. Louis mm-hmm. and storage and um, my stuff, some of my stuff was in LA. We, as we're merging our life here, just setting up our house bowl, I was blown away by how many of the exact same books we had read. Like I'm opening this thing. I'm like, oh, I thought these are Angela's books. These are my books. This, mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait a minute. These are Angela's. I'm like, yeah. honey, do you realize we've read like 478 of the exact same books? And same audio talks. Same audio same, talks. Like- you know, I mean, just some of the most brilliant personal development, human formation, theologian, authors out there. And it was such a beautiful, and again, I think our creator was preparing us mm-hmm. to be together. But, but now that we've sort of achieved this dream, now it's like continuing you know, to dream and, and what's the next day? Where do you want to take us next, God? How can we love people more, serve people more, impact more people for the positive while keeping a balance in our own yeah. life and creating a, an environment for our daughter to grow up in and, you know, living that balanced life. 
And I think a lot of that, like one of the dreams that we both found out that we shared before we were even married, but it really didn't come out until we kind of got settled and lived kind of where we're at right now. And it's like creating a place like a retreat center in the most beautiful natural environment with the mountains and the alpine lakes and the rivers and streams and the, all that, um, or potentially on a beach somewhere, different, you know, areas, but creating these places of rest and relaxation and recovery where you can come and you can get out of that place of, of stress where your frontal lobe is blocked and you can't think creatively a place where, you know, we're literally growing the healthiest, most nutritious food that you're eating every day. You're around like-minded people. We're doing man school, woman school type formation during the day, having, you know, the bonfire at night, the embers under the stars and having just that, you know, getting closer to nature, getting closer to God, eating the healthiest food, this whole walk. And it's, it's sort of like, it's funny, we kind of, um, I think it was somebody that you talked to, a priest friend and said, you know, I think you guys are called to create these Bethany type houses, mm-hmm. you know, and the, the gospels, Bethany is where Jesus went to go rest and recover and, you know, recharge his batteries, so to speak, refill the tank. And I think creating centers like that, mm-hmm. So more people can make that profound life discovery that, you know, and and get out of the sort of concentration camp without the barbed wire that some some people are living in. A lot of people live in, unfortunately. Yeah, because the wire, unfortunately, is in our minds. It's it's the false wiring. We talk so much about the neuroscience in the man's school, the woman's school. And it's those false Mm -hmm. beliefs, those limiting beliefs, the Mm -hmm. the false sense of our self-image and our self-worth that are holding people in bondage. Yeah. And we want, you know, it says in scripture, you know, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That's right. And yep. so we want to be a part of that renewal and that restoration. And we really feel that that's, that's a, a tremendous part of the call that our family's being invited into. And perhaps why Bill and I were so delayed in, in finding yeah. one another was because in that in-between time, you know, Bill and I were traveling literally the world, meeting people from all walks of life. You know, we were in, in Eastern Bloc countries. We were in Europe. We were all over the United States and Canada. And, and observing and learning and studying. And uh, I think this is, this is a part of our, our broader call and our broader contribution. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, when you first brought that idea, Bill, I said the first thing, I want to be in on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this, this, you know, we, we have a vision of, of, uh, you know, forgive the term here, but uh, there's a guy named Alexander Solzhenitsyn who talked about the gulag archipelago, you know, when the Russians and the yeah. communists had these, these gulags. Right. I have a vision of, of a gulag, of not, not a gulag, of course, but a archipelago of restoration centers of Bethany's around the world. Of freedom. And that's going to take a whole army of people uh, to, yeah. bring that, to bring that dream to reality. Yeah. You might be I running the North Carolina one one that's day. Right. We don't know. That's right. <laughs> that's awesome. So dream expansion is a key thing. Would you say that's true for you, Bill, too? Absolutely. Dream expansion. Now that we've come to this place where we've achieved a lot of our dreams, what's the next step of contribution, of love, of service to our fellow human, to humanity? Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's really, I think the Bethany Houses is one of the ways we're doing that. The man's school and the woman's school. And doing private strategy with people is another way where we can get really intimate and detailed and literally kind of like the Donovans did with Angela years ago on their living kitchen, kitchen table, really say, what is your ultimate dream life? What is the ultimate dream life where I always ask guys this, like if you won the lottery tomorrow and you won $10 trillion and money was never an object, you could do whatever you want. What would you do? And the answer to that question is very probably what you should be doing because that's probably your unique calling. But again, we let financial considerations get in the way. There's stress and pressures and various things. And I think getting to that place of um, freedom, just to dream. And then, and then once you have those dreams, 
having the um, the wisdom to say, okay, which ones are kind of daydreams and which is like the the real dream that like, man, this is like, I got a big ache and a hole in my heart if this isn't fulfilled. And then literally gaming a, a strategy and working backwards. Okay, the goals achieved. What was the step just before that? What was the step right before that? Right before that? Right before that? And literally working your way backwards. And because a lot of times, I think people, they try to make these quantum leaps in a day. And it's like making a U-turn with the USS Nimitz. You know, it's difficult to do. You got to get the engines going and turn the wheel. And it's a big, it takes a little while to turn it around. But I think if you can make 1% improvement a day, that's manageable. That's, that's doable. People can do that. Well, I can improve 1% a day in almost anything, but that's 365% improvement in a year. So um, I think I had one of our man school lessons. I had a quote um, that basically people oftentimes um, they, they overestimate what they can do in six months, but they underestimate what they can do in a year. Um, and it's basically, so getting on that right mindset, having that ultimate dream life, that magnificent obsession, that goal. Um, and I always, again, give the caveat, as long as it doesn't violate the laws of God or the rights of your fellow man, um, that ultimate dream life that you want to, that you want to live and achieve. And let's work backward from there, creating a systematic plan to make it happen. And that's again, Tim, just in your work, you know, with the man school and you're such an entrepreneur of, of being able to find a tribe of like-minded men or women mm-hmm. who are on that similar growth trajectory. Mm-hmm. And that's the gift again of, of the small mastermind groups that you facilitate. And then again, the power of one-on-one accompaniment, you know, working with a strategist, working with a coach who can really help you dive deeply and gain clarity. Yeah. And again, that profound accompaniment that we speak of, because you're going to hit obstacles, you're going to hit setbacks, you're going to hit disappointments. And having that, that strategist, that coach, that, that growth tribe around you is going to say, you know what, pick yourself up, dust yourself off. What did you learn? How can we grow? And, and let's keep going and, and let's celebrate those victories. Let's encourage each other in the setbacks. And, um, uh, and remember too, to be detached from outcome, because so often when we start moving in the direction of our dreams, God's dream for us is so much bigger then we could even, so we want to even, again, never, never white knuckle it, always have that posture of openness and, and receptivity. Yeah. And I think to that point, it's like my life today is so far beyond what my wildest dreams used to be. It's a joke, you know? And I remember years as a single guy, like, Lord, when are you going to bring me a good wife? Like, man, this is like, I mean, how about a little love for the home team here? Like I'm one of your friends and I'm like, you know, I'm getting in my late forties, still have met my wife. But then like I said, when the answer came, it was beyond what I ever would have expected. And so I think, you know, um, God's got his own timing. I think he did pretty good, Bill. I, I think, yeah, I, I definitely got the Wonka ticket for sure. So, but I, I feel the same way. <laughs> but I think that, um, yeah, the new season of dreaming is so important. It's always so important to dream. And as Angela said, you know, sometimes God, your dream might be like here and, and the creator's dream for you is way up here. And so we have to be open to that, you know, be committed to the goal, but be flexible in your approach. Um, is, yeah. is kind of a phrase I like to use as well. Yeah. Well, you guys were touching on some of the skills and mindset. I was thinking about, you know, how do you create that dream expansion? So what my last question I like to ask guests is so like you guys have learned a lot and you have a lot of life experience, wisdom. And then even in the last couple of years, you've been growing with teaching and coaching us mm-hmm. and imparting more wisdom. I'm imagining there's kind of like really key things that if there were like one thing that you would recommend for people in life to reflect more of the life that they want to have, you know, what's that one piece of wisdom that you would share? I think the one thing is get a coach. 
you know, mm. we, we have both Bill and I independently and then coming together have had coaches in our life. Mm-hmm. And even our most recent coaching experience, it wasn't even that that coach was necessarily imparting just groundbreaking new wisdom or things mm-hmm. we've never heard before. But by having that accountability, it yeah. helped us to implement. Right. And, and, especially, and having that accountability, especially when you're trying to affect change is so mm-hmm. key because all of us, it's, it's, it's part of the growth cycle. When you start to change and get out of your comfort zone, you hit what's called the terror barrier. You hit yeah. that place when you're in the unknown zone and it's, it's so much easier to go back to what's comfortable, but that also yeah. means you're still stuck. And so having that coach, having that accompaniment, uh, either one-on-one or in a small group, ideally both is what gives you that ability to say, okay, this is so uncomfortable, but the, on the other side of this terror barrier is freedom. freedom. Yeah. yeah. And, and so a coach is going to help you have clarity and is going mm-hmm. to help walk you into that freedom. Yeah. Yeah. And I would just echo that. And I, and I would, I would tell people to avail themselves, Tim, to get in touch with you. Cause I know you've got incredible amount of life experience. Mm-hmm. You've been a C-level executive, different companies, different industries. You've been in the military and special forces. You've been in real estate, you've got this incredible broad spectrum of life experience and you're an expert now becoming a, an ever greater expert in personal development, wisdom, and human formation. Mm-hmm. And that's a rare combination. Not everybody has that broad spectrum, all that diversity, a big palette of, of different experiences, life experiences. And I think, um, I know just the time I've got to spend with you, you called me a mentor. You're a mentor to me mm-hmm. in so many ways too. And I learn from you. And that's one of the great things about teaching this stuff is that not only, you know, they say one of the best ways to learn something is to teach it. So I get to reinforce this in my own mind to make sure I'm living it. But then I get to connect with people like you. And you've shared so many good ideas with me uh, over our time together since last November when we first connected. And uh, that's mm-hmm. been such a blessing. But I think, as Angela said, having a coach, because a coach keeps you on track, a coach holds you accountable. And, um, and a lot of times the coach, because we can get so close to our problems, it's like we can't see the forest mm-hmm. through the trees. And a coach can be have sort of this cool-eyed detachment and just look at things for what they really are. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that perspective can be so valuable, and particularly a coach that is familiar with a lot of this life-changing material, like changing our mindsets, changing our skill sets, mm-hmm. um, and our self-image and so forth to take it to the next level. So yeah. I would just encourage people to avail themselves of your coaching services mm-hmm. if you're still, if, if you know, to the extent they can. I know you're a busy guy, but... Um, that would be my advice to them. Absolutely. And I think it's, it's providential right now, Tim, where, you know, the Olympics are happening literally as we speak and yeah. we're, we're literally getting to watch the people who are the best of the best of the best at what they do. And every yeah. single one of those Olympic athletes who are doing this for a sport, they have their nutrition coach and their mindset coach and their athletic coach and their specialty coach. And, you know, you name it, their, their, their trainer, who's keeping them healthy. Mm-hmm. This is our life. This is our call and our contribution that is unique, precious, and unrepeatable. Um, how critical that we take it as seriously, if not more seriously as those Olympic athletes who are competing for a, for just a physical sport. And, and I think it's also important too, to remember Tim, that as we're approaching, we're talking about dreams, this is about growing. We're most fulfilled when we're growing. And that dream is what inspires and compels us to keep growing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as Angela said, you know, this is the Olympics of our life, you know, and it's not just once every four years for a couple of weeks, it's our whole life. This is, we get one shot at it. So 
I couldn't agree more. I mean, having that coach is so critical and cultivating the mindsets and skill sets, hanging out with people that are like-minded. And as you also mentioned, human beings, psychologists have proven this, human beings are happiest when they feel like they're learning, growing, expanding. And if you're, if anybody listening to this is in a place where they don't feel motivated, they feel uninspired, it's not that you don't have the energy or the inspiration. You're, you just have impotent goals. You don't have goals that are strong enough to, you know, you need a goal that's so exciting that fires you up so much that literally you just want to like stay up late and get up early and you're just driven to it. It's like a passion. And if you don't have a goal, it's really, it might be your goals just aren't powerful enough to motivate you to really bring out your very best. And I would encourage you to go through that goal setting session again and really discover and uncover that dream life. And this is where a coach can help as well, that will inspire you to want to take action every day, even when it's tough, even when you're tired, because, uh, because that, that all consuming, the big goal is so just the thought of it, like gets you so excited, but you're also like a little nervous and scared at the same time. That's the kind of goal, you know, don't, don't play small. You know, you get one shot at this life. So go big. And uh, it doesn't have to be big in the sense of the goal. You know, somebody who's a successful teacher is one of the most important people in our society, in my opinion, because the little minds that they're forming have the ability to impact. So when I say big, I mean, potent, powerful, you're, you're, you're all consuming your life, passion, obsession, um, obsession. I use that word in a, in a benign term, but your, your passion, your desire, that, that goal that your creator has put on your heart that he's given to Tim Howard or Angela or Bill that he hasn't given anybody else, um, at least not in the same way that so inspires you to want to pursue it with all the gusto. And if you don't have a goal like that in your life, you're probably just going to play in that middle zone and never be really inspired at the highest levels to really give it, to really go big, kind of like those Olympic athletes. Mm -hmm. So, Well, you guys have been inspirational to me today. Got me fired up again about what we're doing. And uh, it's been just such a blessing to have you. You two are uh, two people I admire a great deal. I have a great deal of respect. And it's just uh, an honor for me to get to be associated with you for the man's school and indirectly for the woman's school. Maria Spears, my co-author of the Mirror Book. And um, I just look forward to seeing the dream expansion that you guys are in the midst of just being fulfilled and figuring out how I get to plug in with that somehow. But um, I know when people get a chance to listen to that, they're going to want to be able to connect with you and hear more about it. And Bill, you didn't get a touch on some of the amazing stuff you do with permaculture out there in Montana. But if people wanted to get in touch with Bill and Angela, Schneiders, learn more about the woman's school, the man's school, coaching in general, or just want to connect with you on a personal level and hear more about your stories. What's the best way to get in touch with you? Um, you can certainly email us. It's just Angela at greatnessjourney.com. Angela at greatnessjourney.com. And then Bill. And Bill at greatnessjourney.com. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. When we uh, put the podcast out, we will, in the episode notes, we'll put some of your contact information. And again, it's just been a pleasure. I, I've, I've got notes as we've been talking. I've been writing down some key takeaways for myself. It's like, oh, this is, I'm getting as much out of this as anybody's. <laughs> so, uh, it's just been a distinct pleasure and honor to have you. And it's, it's a privilege to have you in my life and just uh, becoming to be friends. I just look forward to what that's going to grow into over time. I appreciate you both. You're blessing to me. And thank you for being with us and imparting your knowledge to our listening audience. Oh, thank you, Tim. It's been an honor and a pleasure to get to you know as well. And the, and the feeling is mutual. Yep. And we're, we're so excited for 
all that you're doing and, and for the future success of the book. You have so much, you and Maria have just poured your hearts into this. There's so much wisdom that I know is going to benefit the multitudes. Yes. So thank you, Tim, for sharing your wisdom with us. Well, go out there and live a life of greatness. Amen.